1: America's live and underway here on ESPN Plus and ESPN Caribbean from Columbus, Ohio. Lower.com field to be precise. Where in just about 48 hours' time, MLS Cup 2023 will be kicking off between LAFC and the host. Columbus crew. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Episode, what is this? 307. How Ooh. you doing, bro? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. dressed I'll say Thank that. Thank you. Oh, this little old thing? Mm-hmm. It's not
2: the Manchester City. I'm not a sellout. I don't go no, down now, right? Of this is Neptune FC. If you know, you know.
1: Check it out. I have to say, of all of the compliments that we've been getting about this show, and there have been many. Many, many, many. Everyone is talking about many. Herk's shirt today uh, here in Columbus, Ohio. I,
2: I've got more compliments on this than I did when I retired. So maybe that's something about your career. I don't know. I don't know. Uh,
1: how about this? The old Hugo Perez throwback. I know some Ooh. of our, uh, older. It, I didn't. Is, is that an actual game warrant? I no. didn't know he was. No, it was not. Okay. Uh, I think it's like the 1990s. Medium. Uh, cut. So we got lots to get to with MLS Cup. Obviously, we're here in Columbus. We are going to be previewing the final. We spoke to one of your former teammates and now the manager at LAFC, Steve Ooh. Gerondolo. Great chat there. Yeah. We spoke to Maxime Crepeau, who, I mean, What a great story. This guy was back in MLS Cup, broke his leg in MLS Cup last year. That cost him the World Cup with Canada. And then we got a chance, I think, really cool to speak with Darlington Nagby. um, Hometown kid. I know. A guy who you said was going for his third MLS Cup. He quickly corrected you. He's going for number
2: four, man. Number four. Well third that he's going to play in because he didn't get a chance to play in 2020. He got hurt right before the game and Aiden Morris made way for him to kind of get in there and make his name with Columbus Crew.
1: There you go. All right, so we are going to talk a lot about MLS Cup here in Columbus in just uh, about two days time, but we're going to start with the Copa America draw, which just went down in Miami, where of course we know the uh, tournament will end uh, next July 14th with the final. Here's a look at the groups. In Group A, we got Argentina uh, with Peru, Chile, and a team out of CONCACAF that'll be either Canada or Trinidad and Tobago in group B we've got uh, Mexico Ecuador and Venezuela along with a team out of CONCACAF which will be Costa Rica or Honduras and then in do we get that right <laughs> and USA's group is the one that we're really focused on here. Uh, right. Uruguay, Panama, Bolivia. We know that uh, that we've got that one right. Brazil, Colombia, uh, Paraguay, and Jamaica is Group C. So let's start with the with Group A. US, just your first reaction to that draw: USA, Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia.
2: Yeah, uh, obviously you wanted to avoid a team like Uruguay, mm-hmm. uh, a very strong team, um, and it really would have all depended on. The scheduling of this, if you could face a team like a Bolivia or a Mm -hmm. Panama in the earlier rounds, it would facilitate that road of a potential showdown in Kansas City against Uruguay. And, you know, you're you're playing for all or nothing literally there. Uruguay is a very difficult team. Mm Uruguay is a very good team. But there is a surprise team. I wouldn't even say surprise because they're one of the all-time winningest teams in the Copa America. But if there is a surprise team today in Comnebol, it's... Marcelo Villel Uruguay and the way they play, the way they press, the way, uh, the type of players that they have, at the speed at which they play. It's a very dangerous team um, for the U.S. men's national team to play against. We saw what a Uruguay team under Diego Alonso did to the U.S. before the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, on U.S. Soyuz. You can only imagine what a motivated Marcelo Bielsa team uh, can have in store for the U.S.
1: So I'm looking at POT 2, right? U.S. obviously as one of the hosts. They're in POT 1. So your biggest concern is going to be which team you're going to get out of POT 2. Uruguay and Colombia were the ones that I think you fear the most, right? right? Then to me, it's a pretty significant drop to Ecuador uh, and Peru, you got Uruguay. You got the toughest team out of pot two if you're the United States. That's not good news, right? Because that means the, the pathway to the top spot in your group is much more difficult now than it could have been. Yeah,
2: looking at the groups, I don't think there's another top 15 showdown like that, if you will. It's 11 in the FIFA rankings versus number 12 in the FIFA mm-hmm. rankings. It's a very difficult test for them. You know, the things we just highlighted the players that they have, the player pool, the style of play. Were the USB uh,
1: favorites at home?
2: No. By no. no means. Against Uruguay? No. Really? But is one of the favorites in this tournament. I've got no doubt about that. You've got one of the favorites in the tournament who, by the way, just beat the World Cup champion Argentina with Lionel Messi in Argentina. In Argentina. By no means will it be an easy test. I think it might be the stiffest test they've had uh, today with Greg Berhalter.
1: Yeah. Um, the schedule is kind of critical here. How big is it that you get Uruguay in that last game? Because if you think about it, Panama... We know they're tough, but you're definitely at home going to be a significant favorite. Bolivia, I think you got to be an overwhelming favorite. They're the the one conmebol team out of pot four. So if right. you pick up, if you if you do your job in those first two games, which is six points, yes, you almost you absolutely have to win. That
2: first game puts you, okay. I mean, put you in position to... That first game is going to be Bolivia and Arlington. That is,
1: if we're looking at it... And you say,
2: can't have any surprises. It's just one of those games. You have to absolutely win. And I know everybody's looking past you. You have to win Panama. But mm-hmm. you, you can't have a situation where you start slow and, and you don't get the result you
1: need against Bolivia. Yeah. That throws everything you know out the window. Yeah. And I think if you look at it from the U.S. perspective and you say, well, we wanted to avoid Uruguay out of pot two... I really, truly believe because there's something about most of all, first of all, pot four is mostly CONCACAF. And there's something about facing a familiar rival that worries me. On top of that, I do believe that that worries you. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're if you're the U.S. and you get a Canada.
2: Right. I know where you're going with this. You'd be worried if you I know know where you're going with this. This is happening in 2002. I know exactly where you're going with this. No,
1: no. And that's exactly that's uh, Mexico. In 2002, you're talking about the round of 16 in the World Cup. Mexico uh, wanted the second place team out of the group. Because they won the group, they just didn't want it to be the U.S.
2: Well, I think they did want it to be the U.S., mm. and the U.S. wanted it to be Mexico. It's one of those things. You know each other very well, strengths and weaknesses. If I'm a CONCAF nation, I most want to avoid that CONCAF nation, right. the high uh, CONCAF nation, because they know you so well.
1: And you love, I think, that you're starting with the weakest of the three teams. You're starting with Bolivian Arlington. To which, to your point, puts a lot of pressure on that game. Yeah. But there's not a better way to start a home tournament than a game where you're going to be a massive favorite and very likely to get those three points.
2: If Greg Berhalter had to face Uruguay, he would want to face them in this situation. If you had to face him in the right. group phase, you'd want to face him in the third game. You'd want a team like Bolivia that you can get your confidence with, get the three points, and then play for that, if you will, showdown spot against Panama, who's not going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, and Under under um, Christensen's team, is
1: is really shown resolve. They've shown tactical uh, big a worry progress that, that they've not... Because I think we're checking Bolivia off as three. Uruguay is the wild card, and maybe you don't win it, but you could still come in second. Correct. Th- then that Panama game becomes the must-win,
2: there, right? no, no even There's no Panama. nation that's grown in the past World Cup cycle like uh, Panama. I mean, you expected, with this player pool, the U.S. men's national team, to have that growth, regardless of how young they were. You expected there to be some growth. You didn't expect this out of Panama. Uh, They had their golden generation in 2018 and all those players were phased out 2019, 20, 21. Uh, and you really saw a generational shift that didn't look too pretty. Mm. In comes Christensen, and he really changed that program, really changed that player pool. And you're starting to see the fruits of all that. They could have axed him in 2018 after or 2022, excuse me, after they didn't make it to the World Cup in Qatar. They didn't. They stayed with the program. They stayed with that project. And it's really bringing fruit today. And you see it in their play. That said, you don't want to face a team that's growing like that you saw what they've been doing. You see their play. You see the players that they have. Um, it's a dangerous team, no doubt. So
1: when you tell me that you don't think the United States will be favored against Uruguay and Kansas City in that third match, am I right to assume that you don't think the U.S. are the favorites to win this group? You think the U.S. will go through a second right now looking at it on paper?
2: On paper, absolutely. Second okay. place. On okay. paper. I don't care if they are at home. Uh, the U.S. isn't the home team in this tournament. They won't be the home team for a lot of games they play in this tournament. Really? A reality. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They play Mexico. They're not the home team. Okay. They play Who Colombia, else? they're not a home team. They play really? Brazil. Can... They're not a home team. It's Argentina, a, it's a, they definitely won't be. They honestly. won't be a home team. No, no. That's a reality for the U.S. U.S. men's actually playing in the U.S.
1: Hmm. I'm not so sure about that. I'm wow. not so sure. I think Argentina, yes. I think Mexico, yes. Brazil, you think you don't think they'd be a pro-U.S. crowd? Brazil's, Brazil, Brazil's one of the top three most followed teams on earth. Yeah, but the U.S. is at home. All right. So the uh, second place team, which you think will be the U.S. out of this group, then really has to worry about who you're going to get in the next round. Right. So the U.S. will face one team out of Group D. That's Brazil, Colombia, Paraguay um, and Jamaica. If you're telling me that the U.S. is going to be second, then you know who they're going to be playing in the quarterfinals. I don't. Is Brazil. I, no, I don't. No, I do don't or they're going to be away from home, according to you. This,
2: this Brazilian
1: team is struggling. Ah, come right on. Now. Brazil's an overwhelming favorite in that group. They're not. I don't think so. I don't think this Brazil,
2: I think we just saw Colombia beat them. Luis Diaz scored scored two goals and then they they beat them. Listen, anything can happen on neutral site for Mm -hmm. them, even though they have a strong following. Um, This isn't the same Brazil team that we've seen, the same Brazil of the past. A lot of their stars, a lot of injured players, who knows who will be available. Who knows what the coaching situation will be for Brazil. Will it be an Ancelotti uh, type like that?
1: Who knows? That could change a lot of things. But today, I don't think they're the overwhelming favorites in that group. So Brazil could be a potential quarterfinal matchup. Colombia could be a potential quarterfinal matchup. Do you see Paraguay or Jamaica pushing for one of those spots that the U.S. you know might find themselves playing in in the quarterfinals? You know, I've wanted to put my trust in Jamaica a couple
2: of times. Mm-hmm. I did it in Gold Cup. I, I said they would win Gold Cup, and. Because that player pool, because I think it's an expanding player pool. They've got interesting players. Leon Bailey's in a ridiculous moment right now with Aston Villa. We just saw what he did against Man City. Mikel Antonio, uh, pre-injury, was picking up And it's not
1: as big of an injury concern as the short-term.
2: Damari Gray is really taken to that team. They're a much better team that they've even shown at the Gold Cup, but I don't know how to trust them in this group. Mm. Uh, I don't know how to put stock into them in this group because you look on paper and Brazil and
1: Colombia are overwhelming favorites to go one and two either way. Are you, from a preference standpoint, you'd rather play Colombia than Brazil? I thought that would have been a... Maybe a few months ago, because I know Brazil's in a bad moment right now, but that would have That's, been a very easy answer. A few
2: months ago, it would have been a very easy answer. No Neymar. Um, with the... The player pool today, the injuries today. Who knows? That could change come summertime. But today, I would rather play Brazil than Colombia.
1: Really? Yes. Really? Yes. You would still not see the U.S.'s favorites against Brazil, correct? Brazil today? Really, dude? Really?
2: Really? Well, I'm just thinking about the player pool. Yeah, and it's it's. It, it, listen, this isn't the same Brazil team as of old. Okay. You, you look at the, the the eleven. You look what they put out. You look, with, they played against Uruguay. They mm-hmm. got beat against Uruguay. They played against Argentina in in Brazil. Got beat against you know Argentina in Brazil. It's a, a Colombia right before that. It's a team that is struggling. Um, listen, form will be relative, right? Mm-hmm. This can change in six months. But if we are to say the U.S. men's national team to play Brazil today. I think they've got just as good a chance of beating them as anybody else. What about Colombia? Would you
1: see the U.S.'s favorites in a quarterfinal like over
2: Colombia? I- I like Colombia's player pool. I thought Colombia was very, very unlucky not to make the World Cup in Qatar. They went seven games without a goal. Do you really see that happening again with yeah. this with this Colombian player pool? I, I don't.
1: So does so does the draw then change your expectations for the U.S. Because we've talked about it in other shows before. We saw the draw, and I think you were pretty clear that semifinal is that line. Yeah. I mean, they're they're, well, gonna they're be playing to Brazil the thought- or Colombia in Correct. a quarterfinal. Correct. Now, are we asking a lot to be in a semifinal? <laughs>
2: I don't know, and the reason I the reason I, Does I it say that's semi- expectations. No, it doesn't lower them. It doesn't lower the expectations. Um, when you think about 2016, the last reference point we had of a Copa America, which was also on U.S. oil, yep. by the way, the U.S. men's national team made it to a semifinal appearance against Argentina, bowed out to to Argentina. Leo Messi's Argentina. You remember if you saw that game, you will remember the his free nothing. kick, his free yeah. kick against Brad Guzan. You know, uh, the, you will remember that performance. You will remember the fourth place finish that U.S. men's national team is also the same U.S. men's national team that failed to qualify for Russia. I think we're all under the assumption or agreement that this U.S. men's national team is better than that U.S. men's national team. Yes. You agree with that? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that should be the bar and also at home, a dry run. If we expect them are, if we expect the bar for the golden generation of U.S. soccer and the U.S. men's national team, the men's side, Semifinal final appearance at home in a 2026 world cup well you don't have your european op- opposition in this tournament so yes absolutely it should be that semi-final appearance it should be that run uh, and if it's a brazil or if it's a colombia that you got to get through to get there that's what you have to do because world cup time it may be a european team
1: yeah well i mean we've talked about it with this program the next step is winning knockout games yeah. against elite competition they played well at the world cup But when it got to that level, they failed pretty spectacularly against the Netherlands, right? This will potentially, if they get through the group, they will get a great matchup. I mean, if you're thinking Brazil or Colombia, that's a a great knockout round test. um, Isn't that what you want?
2: Isn't that what you want? If this is a dry run for the World Cup, is that not what you want? You want to play in the second round or knockout rounds quality opponents because this is who you're going to face
1: come the knockout rounds at the World Cup. Okay, so losing a quarterfinal to Brazil, then, you're saying, could have some value. But also, if you get a great run to a final, that could boost you in Absolutely. Listen, the, the
2: value is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Uh, yeah. if, it's, if it's just a run for a run, uh, but you got lucky or scraped by, or if it's a run to a Brazilian team that ended up winning it, mm-hmm. and you played them in a spectacular fashion and got something out of it, even though I don't believe in moral victories uh, for this U.S. men's national team,
1: yeah. Let's move on to the uh, Mexican team, because we've got their draw as well. Of course, uh, Mexico in Group B with Ecuador, Venezuela, uh, and uh, Costa Rica, Honduras. Venezuela. Sorry, the uh, Jamaica winners, they've uh, moved some things around on us there uh, towards the end. So the Mexico draw, Herc, uh, what do we think about it?
2: Well, for Mexico, it's 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 a bit interesting, because... Uh, Ecuador is a good team. It's a better team. Mm -hmm. Uh, This go-around, this edition, so is Venezuela. They're exciting teams, young talent. There's some uh, change there. Bolivia is going to probably fight for last place in that group. But historically, Mexico has done very well against Ecuador. They've done very well against Venezuela. They've done very well against Comenobol just in general. So you could see a Mexico team who will be a home team in this tournament. If there's any... Team that will be a home team in this tournament is the mexican national team they won't be playing in soccer specific stadiums they'll be playing in football stadiums and filling them up yeah i think this is a very accessible group for the mexican national team for jimmy losano's team this is as good as it could have been for jimmy losano's team
1: yeah i got him in houston l.a and arizona is that right that's what we got them for the uh for the group phase there um in group b so as i look at this I told you, pot two, you really wanted to avoid Uruguay and Colombia. Full respect Ecuador, but I think that's manageable from a Mexico perspective. I actually feel very differently about Venezuela. They're the team out of pot three that from a Mexico perspective, I thought it was most critical um, to avoid. I know there's the history with Chile, but if we look at Chile right now, right. they're the in a very, very, yeah, different place. Very bad moment. Um, certainly not the team that won back-to-back Copa Americas. I think they've won one out of six um, in CONMEBOL qualifying. So that's not a team that scared me. Panama, again, scares you in the way that it's a familiar foe, but I think a, a team that Mexico would at least feel comfortable playing. And Paraguay, I, again, right now, based on where they're at, out of CONMEBOL, doesn't really scare me. Right. Venezuela, if we look at them right now, are playing the best, I think, out of that group. And then on top of that, I know you pointed to the history, but think about that 2016 Copa America. Mexico played Venezuela in what was effectively a home game in the last group phase game, and if not for a very late goal from Tecatito, um, Mexico loses that game. They they had to come back to draw. Venezuela was really good, and this Venezuela now is way better than that Venezuela.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. But would you rather play a team like Venezuela or would you rather play a team that's favored? Because Chile was favored mm-hmm. in that moment, like Chile.
1: No, I'd rather I'd rather play Venezuela. But remember, Chile was a was a knockout round game, right? You know, it, this is this is in the group phase. So if you look at it, Ecuador, Venezuela, Jamaica. I mean, that's. I think that's a very accessible seven. What I, what
2: I like about Mexico is going to have a youngish team. They're, they're at least youngish in terms of experience. So is Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were, I believe, the second youngest team at the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, behind Ghana, or third behind Ghana in the U.S. Um, it's a very young team. Venezuela is another young team. There's a lot of inexperience there. Sure, they have that World Cup experience, but that could play in favor for the Mexican national team because they won't be with some seasoned
1: teams. It's still, these teams are still coming into their own as well. I think that this Mexican team, as I look at it, has a very good draw. Right. But what it means is the pressure's truly on Mexico to win this group. Um, you're effectively at home against two teams from Conmebol and Jamaica. And if you don't win the group, your cruce, your knockout round matchup, is with Argentina's group. And not only are Argentina the reigning Copa America champions, not only the great, the reigning World Cup champions, not only do they have Messi, but there's a deep, dark tournament history between Mexico and Argentina that never goes Mexico's way. So to see Argentina here as the potential quarterfinal opponent to me, if Mexico doesn't take care of business in the group, I mean, that could, that could bring a very... Abrupt end to Mexico's tournament in the knockout rounds Argentina is absolutely the team you don't want to face Mm -hmm. um, For
2: many reasons defending champions of not only Copa America, but of the World Cup uh, With a very strong following to an individual who now calls home the United States Which is Lionel Messi in what looks to be a very accessible group for them I mean you'd want to play Peru right now who has Peru scored a goal yet I'm still waiting. Juan Reyna has gone. They've now scored Chile. A goal. Chile is not in their best moment. Probably
1: Canada, right? We're figuring.
2: Maybe, yeah, you're figuring it's Canada. Mm-hmm. If
1: if they beat Trinidad, not the strongest
2: can. version of Canada.
1: Yep. Uh, I mean, they've got a very, very accessible group. Argentina's winning that group. There's
2: they're win- no way. They're, they're not, not winning only that group. winning that group. They're hurting some teams. Right. They're they're, they're putting on a show. A- and this tournament was designed in a way. To put on a show for Argentina. I mean, of course,
1: the finals in Miami. The fi-
2: finals in Miami. The, the opening is in Atlanta, uh, where you know it's going to be a, in a football stadium, massive Argentine following. The f- the f- you're going to go to New Jersey, Charlotte, then
1: Miami. I think it's all set for them there. Hmm. So, as I see, you know, as I keep going through kind of Mexico's group here and the Cruce, really is if you take care of business in your Mexico. The the quarterfinal opponent options are not are not devastating at all. Peru, Chile, or Canada, I would take if I was Mexico. Absolutely, first spot. But you got a, in the semis, you, and I would say you're a major favorite. Again, in the United States, effectively at home against any of those three teams.
2: But you agree that you have to win the group to avoid Argentina. Oh, if they don't win the group,
1: it's over. I mean, nine nine and, and a that, half out of ten that's times, a, that's a problem. They're going to lose to Argentina, and that'll be a
2: problem for Jimmy Lozano, because. Many can argue that Jimmy Lozano's coaching for his World Cup really? coaching career. Yes, absolutely. Jimmy Lozano is going to be behind the eight ball in this tournament. I think he knows that, uh, especially after what happened against Honduras and those two legs. I don't, I don't think Jimmy Lozano has the luxury of a quarterfinal exit one game out of the group. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. So he
1: gets out of the group, loses to Argentina in a or second round. Are they going to fire him?
2: Depending on how that loss is, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. Really? You could not see that?
1: In the way that anything can happen with the Mexican Federation and the national team managers, we're on our third since the World Cup, yes. But I think given the kind of context, the background of the support that he seems to have from the power players, I mean...
2: Think about what would have to happen for them to play Argentina's second round. It would have to go something like 1-1-1. One, one,
1: Right. Not so exactly, that's not exactly. That's not exactly an aspiring nah, group could, phase. You could, go, you could win two and tie one and still finish second. You know. Are you going to tie Argentina? No, no, no. I'm saying in the. Group. Oh, I'm sorry. In the group phase. Are you going to tie uh, Ecuador? Sure. You beat Venezuela and Jamaica. You get seven points. You finish second. Somebody else finishes that. What you seven? think is going to happen? No, I just don't. I don't think that. I don't think a quarterfinal loss to Argentina would be worthy of a referendum on the national team manager, even in a place. You know, like the Mexican Federation, where we know it's crazy. We know things can get out of hand and accelerate quickly. It's like, you know, you'd you'd be out of your mind if that's why you fired Jimmy Lozano. I would have been. would have fired him between the first and second leg of Honduras before I'd fire Map. Maybe you're right.
2: They didn't leg. fire Juan Carlos Osorio after a 7-0 loss to there Chile. You know. So,
1: Do you, does this draw from Mexico impact your expectations for them at all? Of course, of course. I think the favorite- What were your expectations before? It was semifinals, U.S. quarters, Mexico.
2: I wanted to reserve judgment on Mexico until I saw the draw. I really did. Just because Jimmy Lozano is unproven, this Mexican national team is still trying to come together, they've not really had that, that opportunity. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> um, so I wanted to reserve judgment with there. Tech here, yeah. yeah, don't play with the tech. Okay. Um, but I, I really do think it's, it's, it's a... Uh,
1: so, so your expectation has gone up or gone down? No. Gone down. Because of Argentina? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to argue. I mean, that, yeah, listen, but who, you, you, you've quoted oh, who's, uh, who's
2: the one team in this that you did not want to face? Argentina. I okay. guess what I
1: would think is that. Any,
2: Historically, who's the one team you would want to face if it was a big team?
1: I know you're going to say Brazil. Yeah. For Mexico, and it's Brazil. But definitely now, with the way Brazil is, yeah. No, I no, no, just that, in general, for Mexico, it's Brazil. Yeah. You'd be a massive underdog, though, against Brazil, against Argentina, and even against the U.S., I think you would be an underdog. Right. Right? So, I mean. Mexico, if we're being honest about the teams in pot one, they were the weakest. You know, they were always going to have, the Cruze was always, if they don't win the group, um, you know, was always going be, to be brutal there. As we look at the other groups, um, we've talked about the Argentina group quite a bit, it seems fairly accessible. What about the Brazil group there, uh, Brazil, Colombia, Paraguay, and it's Costa Rica, Honduras now, they kind of in, uh, had a change so we had the right number of CONMEBOL and CONCACAF right, groups uh, right. in each group. Pretty, pretty straightforward for Brazil there and Colombia, yeah?
2: Yeah, I would assume so. Man, but could you imagine? Is
1: there a group of death here? <sighs> I, I like that it's unlike the Euros. Like in the Euros, there's four of the six third-place teams will go through, which right, means the right. group phase is almost irrelevant. Um, here, the group phase really matters. Is, I, do you see a group of death?
2: I, I sort of do in the U.S.'s group. Just because we know what Panama is, but the rest of the world won't consider Panama a, a right. threat, so, so maybe not. Uh, so you would have to say it is that Group D, Brazil, Colombia, um, Paraguay, Jamaica, just because how strong those yes. teams can be.
1: Uh, Paraguay, Costa Rica, Honduras winner, uh, right, is the last team there in, in Group D. Oh, apologies. Yes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better.
0: Amundsen. Malde Amundsen gives it a go
3: fires and a laser put home oh what a
1: strike yeah. Mileno back
2: post
4: coach
1: and then the has done the
3: it. so the finally into space so you know right away
1: MLS Cup now less than 48 hours away here in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus crew hosting LAFC. Columbus playing their third final in the last nine years, while LAFC is going for the repeat, trying to become the first team to take back-to-back MLS Cups. Since their crosstown rivals did it, the LA Galaxy, uh, way back in 2011, 2012. Now on Saturday, they'll be led, of course, by Steve Turandolo, managing in his second MLS Cup and just his second year in charge of LAFC. The 44-year-old veteran of two World Cups for the U.S. men's national team, no doubt, off to a great start in his coaching career. Steve Gerondolo, manager of LAFC, and way back in 2010, a teammate of yours at the World Cup. What was he like all those years ago? It's great. great teammate. Slip this guy some Mm -mm, money. mm -mm, I don't believe that. I don't (laughs) believe that for one second. Uh, Let's get into your team, man. Back in MLS Cup for a second straight year. That's got to feel special.
4: It is, it is. Uh, It's been a lot of work this year, but I'm very proud of the organization. Everybody involved, stadium ops, uh, soccer ops, management, uh, to rebuild another winning team. For me, it's already been a success this year, uh, but we would love to finish
1: it on a high note. We always hear, like, the hardest thing to do in sports is repeat. Do you sense that this year, and what specifically is is that about? Don't these
4: new wrinkles and gray (laughs) hair... Uh, say that all by itself. They weren't there last year? No, they were not. Okay. Uh, but you guys can fact check that. Yes, it is hard. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, and I think the challenge for us this year has been really congested schedule, the amount of games we've played in all competitions, and trying to find that motivation um, um, and uh, freshness that you need physically, mentally, and mentally as well on a weekly basis. And sometimes... Two games in a week.
2: Steve, this team looks different. It looks different from the team that competed in uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, the team that competed in Leagues Cup and Campiones Cup. What has changed?
4: I think um, I think we're a little more consistent defensively and consistent in, in, with our compactness overall of the field, with or without the ball. Um, I think um, we've become a little more difficult to beat. I think throughout the beginning of the season, we were a little more explosive, um, had the ability to score five, six goals on teams, but we could also concede. And there were days where we couldn't find the back. And I think now we are finding more consistency in all phases of the game. Mm.
1: I remember last year when you bring in Bale, you bring in Killini. There was kind of surprisingly a little bit of a dip. Maybe not in form, but in results. And I remember ahead of the playoffs last year, you saying, man, I don't know if this team can do it. You guys obviously ended right. up doing it. Is it fair to say there was something similar to that this year? Kind of like midsummer, late-summer, you guys went through another lull. Did you sense that? Um, yes, but it was also expected. Um, we went into the season uh, really pushing the
4: guys hard, really trying to make a run at the Champions League. Uh, made it to the final, came up a little short against Leon who deservedly were champions, but um, we knew a lull would come. If you push a team that hard physically, mentally, and tactically, you're going to have a dip at some point in the season. It was, Thankfully for us, it, it was soon enough to where we could peak at the right moment now, um, which is hopefully on Saturday.
2: You guys have had so many games this season, probably more than any other Major League Soccer club out there. How do you keep the guys not only physically fresh, but mentally engaged?
4: Well, the players have, have turned that really congested schedule, um, I would describe it as an impossible schedule, into a motivator. Um, we've basically thrown been thrown into the gauntlet and said, Hey guys, deal with it. Um, and the players are using that as a catalyst to motivate themselves to win another cup.
1: And um, they've looked pretty sharp the past couple of weeks. Can we dive into some of the individuals? Um, usually when we talk about LAFC, you, you start, and in the past, you used to end the conversation with Carlos Vela. This year, I feel like it's different. It's about Denny Bawango. Why is he so good?
4: Denis is an incredible uh, athlete, um, soccer player, an incredible finisher, as, as Herc knows. Um, actually, very, very similar strike to the ball. <laughs> My friend. Oh, okay. That's similar. Similar. I
2: appreciate that. I'll take that In compliment. What way? In
4: what way? I'll take that compliment. Hit a ball like a cannon. Really? Um, and a very clean strike. You, have, you have
1: said that was kind of one of your strengths. And, 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 yeah. so, does, and so does Denis. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: And um, Denis may have been a little quicker, though. He's way quicker. <laughs> he,
1: he, he was, you had <laughs> a few yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, But he's also an incredibly hard worker and, and does the dirty work on the field. And what I love about Denis is uh, tactically very sound as well, playing at a high level his whole career. You ask him to do something, it's done. Hmm. and um, do you know that before you got him um, you never know until right. you actually work with a player um, we'd hope so and everything we saw on him in Ligue 1 um, checked the box and right. so we were hopeful and he has paid it back tenfold
2: absolutely almost 40 goals in all, the, all campaigns this season let me ask you a question because oftentimes in Major League Soccer the more success a club has and an individual player the harder it is to retain that player how difficult do you think it is going to be to see Denny back with LAFC next season um, he has a contract, so it doesn't have to be difficult if
4: LFC doesn't want to. But um, nothing makes me happier when players progress and move on and, and uh, go on to uh, bigger and better things. Um, so it, it's an attest to the player, his hard work, his engagement in the club, but also for the club that we're
1: doing a lot of things right. And so um, for me, it's a win-win. Hmm. What about Carlos Vela? Uh, Everybody's talking about him. Obviously, we all saw when he left the field uh, over the weekend an incredible response from the fans. It felt a little bit like a goodbye. How did you see it?
4: Um, For me, no, but I see him on a daily basis. Hmm. Um, So he's a special person and a a, a special player. I love watching him train every day. His left foot is is incredible. His talent uh, is world class. And um, he is one of the most unselfish human beings I've ever met, which is why he's our captain. And he does not care who scores. He wants to win games. And
2: and that is uh, those are rare qualities in a player. And Carlos embodies those. You know what I love about this matchup with Columbus is they say styles make fights. Mm-hmm. In this, you have two very different styles with two very young and great manager, think, managers in this league. I'm curious what you think about this stylistic matchup. It's a heavy possession team against mm-hmm. you guys who can be very vertical. I mean, I think it was Ryan Collins said who said after the Houston game, let them do their ticky talk in the midfield we don't care about that we could just write through them you're going to have the same mindset against columbus a mm,
4: little different columbus i think um, also has vertical in, in their game and i think it's a very well-rounded and thought through uh game model and so it's it's going to be difficult to break um i do feel we have the tools to uh, expose them um, it's up to the players now to capitalize on those few moments, um, as it is for Columbus. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun style to watch. Um, he's he's all in uh, with his style, and you know ours is maybe a little uh, more well-balanced in all of the phases, which is something that we try to do to be good in all phases, have solutions in all the phases, not just one. Um, and I'm hopeful that that's the... Uh, uh, the
1: key to this game. You don't
2: like Killini dribbling up in the final third? Is that what you're saying?
1: You know, thankfully, he doesn't like that, so yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to mention that to yeah. him. Uh, the last time a team won back-to-back MLS Cups, 2011-2012, but it was kind of a different league. The other there. LA team. Yeah, but it was like MLS 2.0. It wasn't the league that it is today. Uh, what would it mean for you to, to get back-to-back titles and be the first to do it, not just in such a long time, but in this really what feels like a a different era of Major League Soccer.
4: I think it's a confirmation of all the hard work at LAFC and the expertise we use, whether it's in management with John and his team and and our scouting department, our analysts, um, and and the coaching staff and our media department and stadium ops. It's a a very well-run organization, and to do that in a team with 29 uh, teams, um, we all have the same amount of money, so to speak, um, um, as far as the budget goes and the rules go, and it makes it very difficult to repeat due to the rules and regulations. Uh, it would be amazing, um, but uh, I do not know every organization out there and how they work. But I can tell you from the inside, LAFC is top
2: notch. Well, speaking of top notch, <laughs> since two thousand nineteen, record setting years. You made finals, uh, international finals too, in Concacaf Champions League, MLS Cup, multiple MLS Cup now appearances. Are we entering dynasty territory with LAFC?
4: Um, we're a little dependent on the league and the rules, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that is. You've talked about that a lot this year. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure that's that's wanted or welcomed. Um, but we will do everything in our power to make it that way. Mm.
2: You you think Major League Soccer would rather not have a dynasty? Um, that's what it feels like. But uh, you're gonna have to ask them that.
1: <laughs> do you think a dynasty would be good for Major League Soccer? Because from a media perspective, I, I say hell yeah. I right. think
4: it's good for every for every league and every sport.
1: Do you feel like? Because you have talked about it a lot. Do you feel like? People in the league are hearing what you're saying. You talked about it in the comparison with the Liga MX teams that you got to compete with in Concacaf yeah. Champions League. Like, do you feel like like there's somebody in the league that's listening? I don't know.
4: Um, I, you're going to have to ask the league that. I want to win every game possible, mm-hmm. and I want the MLS to do very well against uh, Liga Mechs in all of the competitions. We, we strive to to be successful in. I want us to win. That's it. Mm.
1: Is the fix just like an open cap, or what is it? What do you see as the fix? Um, We don't have enough time to get into that, but there's... (laughs) That's a John Thornton question. I think there's plenty of
4: solutions out there, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the people need to come together and and start
2: talking about solutions. Because that's the thing, right? I mean, players do well, a team does well, they hit escalators, it goes to the salary cap, sometimes you can't keep these players, so it hurts your team.
4: Um, That is the reality we live in, but um, we've dealt with it well this year. Uh, We've come up a little short in the Champions League, but we're hopeful um, that we can win another MLS Cup, and then... Uh, Try to repeat this all next year.
1: All right, there he is, Steve Cherundolo, the manager for LAFC. Steve, great to have you with us here on Football América. Thank you, guys. Always great to talk to uh, Steve Cherundolo there, discussing uh, Carlos Vela. What a uh, what an interesting way it would be if that was his uh, farewell send off. No, you know it depends on what happens, right? Um,
2: Everyone wants to see that storybook ending, if you're an LAFC fan, for Carlos Vela. But Carlos Vela has made it very known. He's not ready to ride off into the sunset just yet. Uh, But he also doesn't want to nickel and dime with uh, just any team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, how this unfolds.
1: Been with LAFC since 2018. Contract ends December 31st. Can he add one more MLS Cup to his resume on Saturday? Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now let's talk about the hosts a little bit, shall we? Now that we're at Lower.com Field, home of the Columbus Crew, going for their third MLS title all-time to go along with 2008 and 2020. Key to Columbus's success, midfielder Darlington Nagby, who comes Saturday, has a chance to win his fourth MLS Cup. Darlington Nagby of Columbus joining us next here on Football Americas in the build up to MLS Cup. Great to have you with us uh, on the show. The hack question here is to ask, what does it mean to be back in MLS Cup? Mm-hmm. But I saw your emotional reaction mm-hmm. after the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. What was that about?
0: No, I was just proud of the group. You know, I think the whole setting and the occasion, how it happened, you know, being down two against your rivals, uh, supporter Shield winners and everything. I think just, you know, I was proud of the team, how they fought back and were able to not tie only, but, you know, get the win.
2: Now, this is your home club, Mm -hmm. if you will. You're from Mm -hmm. the state of Ohio. Uh, When you walked in, I said, congratulations, looking for number three. You corrected me. It's number four. Mm -hmm. We reminisced, actually, the 2020 final Mm -hmm. against the Seattle Sounders. You got hurt right before it. Mm -hmm. You didn't play that final. What does Mm -hmm. this final mean to you in front of your Mm -hmm. your hometown?
0: No, it's huge. It's huge, obviously. Like you said, I'm from from the area, Northeast Ohio. So, you know, not to only be here, uh, being the captain of the team and represent, you know, the city and the state, but just to be a part of this group, uh, this special community, and you know, they welcomed me with open arms when I when I came home. So, uh, we paid them back in 2020 with a championship, and hopefully, we can do the same again this year.
1: What's the club? Is it Cleveland Internationals? Is that your yeah, club? Cleveland or yeah, Cleveland Internationals. Yeah. I lost a few games in tournaments against uh. Cleveland Internationals. They were good back then. Yeah, games. well, we lost a lot of games <laughs> but to, to them specifically. So, I mean, this year, man, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Explains Columbus's success because mm-hmm. um, I don't think if we looked at you guys throughout mm-hmm. the regular season, people mm-hmm. would have picked you to be here. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of the regular season, then through the playoffs, especially this guy was like, mm-hmm. Columbus is making it to MLS Cup. I said that. I thought you guys would be playing against Seattle, but mm-hmm. you know, you're know against LAOC. Mm-hmm. What happened?
0: No, I think we just put it all together and no, I think we were... At first, we were playing well. You know, I think then we were attacking well. And I think now we're playing well, attacking well, and we're, you know, I think we're defending well as well. So I think and not just that, but I think everyone's grown throughout the season. You know, young players that have come in and guys that kind of came in mid-season, I think they're growing as well. Uh, and then, you know, coach has come and done a great job. You know, I think his impact on the group and the confidence that he's given the group and the guys just be themselves and go out there and enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Darlington, what's it like? You're a very cerebral player.
2: Boy. What's it like playing for a coach and Wilfred Nancy mm-hmm. who's... Mm-hmm. I'm a mad scientist. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I look at your team, and you got mm-hmm. center backs, you know, in the final third, you know, <laughs> pushing numbers up for you. For a, a central piece, an important mm-hmm. piece of player who thinks the game, feels the game, what's mm-hmm. that like?
0: No, it's fun. It's fun. You know, I think just uh, the dis- being disciplined enough, you know, kind of recognizing, you know, everyone's strengths and weaknesses, you know. Uh, outside center back might be pushing up. Okay. It's time to just hold back a little bit. So but not just me Aiden as well uh, I can't say enough about him uh, what a season he's had and is having uh, So him as well being able to play with him and you know his understanding of his game and his growth uh, It's been great. It's been great Can we spend a little more time on the conference final because I don't want to blow past probably
1: the mm-hmm. If not the greatest comeback in MLS history mm-hmm. certainly one of them. It's tight mm-hmm. It's tight for me Montreal Tro- Toronto a few years back. It's not a bad shout yeah. That's mm-hmm. not a bad shout also playoffs of course yeah. mm-hmm. um when did you sense that game change? Because we were talking a couple hours ago and mm-hmm. we actually said at 2 nothing going into the half, mm-hmm. y'all probably didn't feel that bad based mm-hmm. on gameplay. Mm-hmm. Obviously the scoreboard you didn't like, but mm-hmm. based on a game it didn't feel like a 2 nothing game.
0: No, you said it. I think that was, you know, that's what we try to focus on, you know. I think it was, Maybe they had three chances or two chances and had two goals, you know, but I think we had majority of the players. So, you know, that was the message. Just come out here, just perform, trust and believe that if we continue to play the right way and do the right things, we will get a chance. And we just need a one goal. And I think once that one, the first goal went in, I think it just boosted, boosted the group and we had more confidence to, you know, we can tie this and potentially win it.
2: I mean, listen, I agree it's circumstantial because mm-hmm. you probably could have been 2-2, maybe mm-hmm. 2-1 at mm-hmm. halftime. Uh, the goal, you know, Lucho Costa's goal goes in right mm-hmm. before half. Mm-hmm. But that second half to start out with, mm-hmm. they had two clear-cut opportunities. Mm-hmm. It could have mm-hmm. been 4-0. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, at that point, mm-hmm. you think the game is still within your reach?
0: Yeah, at that point, you know, I think we started thinking, all right, I ain't going for a reason, you know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But it could you know, but like you said, it could have been 3 or 4. And then, you know, uh, off, of course, made big-time saves. Uh, big-time, one well, Claire, big-time saves. So, you know, for him to keep us in the game, uh, you know, another young guy having a great season. So, I think we just knew, um, just get one. Just get one. Put it put it to 2-1. You know, if they get chances, hopefully we can stop them and Pat can make a save but get it to
1: 2-1. You guys have achieved so much this season. I think mm-hmm. what's lost, because it happened a few months ago, is you've mm-hmm. done it after midway through the campaign, selling mm-hmm what most people would say was your best player in Lucas mm-hmm. Celarayan mm-hmm. take me back to that moment mm-hmm. and what it felt like in the dressing room mm-hmm. when the club took the decision to move him on midseason
0: mm-hmm. uh, you know personally, personally it was difficult i came in with lucas so you know just what he did for me and not just myself alone but just the other players in the club and the, the type of player that he is one of the best that i've played with so for him moving on obviously the opportunity for him to go and do and do what he had to do but uh, you know at that moment you're kind of thinking what's going to happen with the rest of the season And luckily, you know, they bring in someone like Diego, I think is coming and had a tremendous impact on our team, opened up the field for us with his pace and driving with the ball. So, uh, yeah.
2: Let's talk about that offensive flair because Mm -hmm. we criticized the team and Mm -hmm. Tim Bezbachenko when that move happened. Like, Mm -hmm. your priority should be to win, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, we see it a lot in MLS because y'all are on it's a different calendar than everybody. Mm -hmm. Sometimes clubs sell guys in the middle of the season, and as a fan, I would say, Mm -hmm. I don't want my best players being sold in the middle of the season. We should be trying to win trophies. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
2: You you sell Lucas and then. In comes Diego. Mm -hmm. You have Cucho Hernandez, who's Mm -hmm. an absolute game changer in this Mm -hmm. league. You got a player like Cristiano Ramirez, who can Mm -hmm. come off the bench and Mm -hmm. he's been producing. You know, he's been the hero for you guys the last two uh, games Mm -hmm. that you've played. Talk about the offensive players that Mm -hmm. you have going forward.
0: No, obviously, like we just said, Diego, uh, you know, electric pace. Good on the ball. You know, for me that can do a guy that can do everything, both sides of the ball as well, defensively. And then Christian has come in, you know, the timely goals that he's had to save our season to keep us in, you know, a good position and help us make this run ever on. And then Matan, uh, excited about him, the the job that he's doing and then Kucho. Uh, uh, what can I say about Kucho? He's there, he's our our talisman, providing assists as well, not just the goals, you know. Yeah. I think he's, you know, our passionate our passionate leader. You know, I think he fires us up and we see him a certain type of way and he expects a lot out of everyone.
2: Donathan you guys ended with Julian Gressel on the field, Mm -hmm. Kevin Molino Mm -hmm. on the field, Ramirez, Mm -hmm. Cucho, uh, yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. there was so much offensive talent. Who defends? Who defends on your team? <laughs> <laughs> ask yeah.
0: Pat Schulte. Who was yeah. defending? Yeah, in that yeah. yeah, in that second yeah. He seriously, oh. ask him. He was probably ready to lose his mind. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, even the back line. Like you, you guys see how we play. You know, we push numbers forward and a lot of attacking, attacking players, attacking minded players in the field. So you know, credit to the back line as well. Uh, constantly communicating, doing what they can to put out the fires, and and Patrick being the last line of defense. So yeah, proud of the whole group.
1: Real quick on the final, what's what's mm-hmm. the key to beating this LAFC team?
0: No, just discipline. Obviously, you know, we know how dangerous they are in the front, you know, and talented roster as well. So I think, you know, not being afraid to do what we do and play how we play and continue to do what what has gotten us here, but at the same time being aware and disciplined enough to to know that they can't punish you.
1: There it is. Darlington, Nagby, Columbus Crew, thanks for joining us here on Football Americas, and good luck on Saturday.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Back to MLS Cup and back to LAFC, who are no doubt relishing being back in the championship game. Probably nobody more so than Maxime Cropot, LAFC's Canadian goalie who broke his leg in last year's final win. An injury that cost him the 2022 World Cup with the Canadian national team. What a story, his return to MLS Cup. Maxime Cropot, goalie for LAFC, next to join us here on Football Américas. Maxime, great to have you uh, with us here on the show. We ask everybody, right, like, what's it like to be at MLS Cup? But I got to think for you, after last year, it's
3: special on, like, a whole other level. Is that fair? That is fair. That is fair. Uh, yes, it is special. And um, that was uh, that was the goal always, to, to repeat us to win championships. And so uh, now we, we are here. We have a chance in two days to uh, make it happen again. Uh, it's Two great teams going at one another, so it's going to be uh, really good. For those that don't know, you broke
1: your leg in MLS Cup last year, missed the World Cup as a result. What do you remember um, about that moment? Because so many people immediately said, wow, this guy, knowing what was going to happen, gave up his leg and potentially a World Cup.
3: Yeah, well, in the moment, uh, there's none of those thoughts that are going through my mind. It's just going to try to win that ball with a 50-50. And uh, Corey got there before me. Uh, My leg was already in motion. Couldn't stop either. So uh, I took the worst out of the hit. Uh, And in the moment, you don't realize realize on the moment that you're missing uh, for the next 10 months of uh, of football. Uh, But um, after that, we go to the hospital. Uh, We learned that... Uh, we've won the game, so I was really happy, and on the back side of the emotions, uh, realizing that the World Cup's gone because it was supposed to be on the plane three days later, uh, once that, 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 that thing that you accept, that you broke your leg and then your World Cup is gone, uh, you move on and the rehab process really starts, yeah. That's a difficult part, the rehab
2: process, not just the physical, but the mental. I've been there myself. What was the most difficult thing for you coming back this year? Was it just watching the guys playing these tournaments that you helped them
3: get to? Uh, playing well, playing with the guys is, is always the cherry on the top. You know, it's always the, the rewarding. It's to be on the field with your teammates. That's the, the the feeling that once we we retire, we all miss. It's it's the game day uh, and the experience with your your brothers. Uh, but. Uh, for me, it was really trying to being patient as well, because I'm someone who always wants to go faster than what it is, the process, and so uh, with, with that kind of injury, there's always ups and downs, and sometimes you go fast, there's progress, sometimes there's setbacks, and so it was accepting these ones and... and trying to push my body at the limit that what what speed i could go to and uh, obviously it was uh, i was uh, <laughs> i was eating my my socks trying to go back as fast as possible to to share these moments with the guys would you do it all over again so if i was to say hey Uh, there's a
1: 50-50 chance you guys win that MLS Cup or not but you're definitely not going to I'm going I'm
3: going really I'm going Uh, no regrets about missing a World Cup or everything happens for a reason I do believe in that and that reason is in two days Uh, and so I believe that once you lose that edge uh, you're finished especially as a goalkeeper you need to go uh, with your guts, with your trust yourself, what you're feeling. And uh, that's how I play the game. I play with my heart. I play all in. And uh, whatever happens, happens. Uh, you know, it's uh, you just need to to go without thinking. That's how you, you play your best football, just by your, your heart on the field. What
2: have these playoffs been like for you? Because uh, you started off against Vancouver. I know that must have been special for you. I know there was a little, let's say, banter between the Vancouver fans and, and yourself. What, what's that been like to see your growth in this playoffs?
3: Yes, uh, Vancouver had a great year. So especially home, they were really good uh, playing on under their home surface as well with the turf. And so uh, we needed to well, we started strong, five-two at home, and then we needed to end it in Vancouver, which uh, which we did. And they were really good at uh, at, at these. Moments attacking the channels and then trying to put it back in the box. Uh, we were able to finish the job there, and then uh, going into Seattle was a big challenge for us because uh, Seattle's great on that Lumen Field. We all know their, their record and how their their football has been has been playing at home, uh, but. The importance is to get it done at the end of the day, especially in the playoffs. Uh, you guys know that it's crunch time and there's no tomorrow. And so um, make it make it happen, make it done. Uh, that's what we did in Seattle, trying to be solid defensively and, and hurt them in the, on the counter. Uh, that's how the game unfolded as well, because they not were right the there. That's how the game
2: unfolded. It, it, you were pretty much the reason LAFC advanced. I mean, you had like
3: three my <laughs> Just trying my best. Point
2: blank saves uh, that I don't know how you saved that kept the team in it
3: well you know as a goalkeeper you're just trying to give a a chance to your team to to win either to tie or to win to get points Uh, at the end of the day that's what's the most important thing and so uh for me there's no difference uh you want to you want to go on the field and 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 get points and that's uh that's how it happened and then uh, obviously uh, last week was a good game against houston home and and uh, the story continues in two days. I'd
1: be remiss if we didn't ask you about the you know, Canadian men's national team. Kind of where do you feel the state of the program is? Obviously a, a historic moment to appear at the first World Cup in 36 years, but it feels like the year since then, maybe some of that
3: momentum has drained? Uh, yeah, we've hit uh, we've hit um, we've hit a, a phase that we need to to find back uh, to find back uh, that grit that we had in the qualifying. Uh, if I'm being honest, uh, that that togetherness and that fluidity with the ball, uh, because there's always highs and lows, and uh, we'll see what happens with with the program, with the if a new staff will arrive as well uh, for for the next uh, next couple of, uh, of games ahead of us. We have one that we just need to focus on Trinidad because uh, Copa América for us would be huge and that's the that's the objective if you want to be the best you got to be up there and so uh, we'll see how it goes uh, in the next couple of months off the field because we need to know uh, off the field uh, the repercussion that we'll have with uh, with the group.
2: How difficult is that for you guys? The uncertainty of it all within the federation, within the coaching staff, as a player. How difficult is that? Like
1: I always wondered, does that actually yeah. impact what's happening on the field with the team?
3: Ah, uh, no. Uh, I mean, you 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 close that door. You really close that door. And when I say that, you kind of uh, shred the noise out a little bit, and you focus on on what's happening on the field. And uh, what's been nice in national team is that we're, you're not we're not with the guys every single day. So when you're together, you really enjoy your football, and everybody's in a good mood. Uh, uh, and it's good to see the, the guys back as well. Uh, but on the field, it was more mostly a matter of, all right, let's, let's find back uh, our quality. Let's find back our ruthlessness. Let's find back our defensive identity. Uh, that, that was the, the mindset, yeah. What do you think happened against Jamaica. Uh, it's, uh, out of the four halves, uh, it was three good ones and, and one that, that everything went wrong uh, for us. And so sometimes it happens, uh, but there's no excuse. Uh, it was a matter of a performance. We, we dropped the ball in the second half against Jamaica. Uh, and so now we'll, we have to respond. Yeah.
2: You know, it's always interesting trying to explain to people what it's like playing with the away goal rules. Can you explain that as a goalkeeper, what that's like for you guys when the away team scores, just the the feeling that sets in?
3: Uh, when in the field, uh, you do think a little bit about that. You mean you're, you're not doing math in your head? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like yeah.
2: you know, we're winning, but that Jamaica goal goes in and you're thinking, uh-oh.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it invites pressure. It invites pressure, that is for sure. I think there's a couple of seconds of realization, and then you're right back into what you're doing uh, on the field. But uh, as I mentioned, you try to just... Put that in the back door of your mind, you know, uh, just try to shred it out and go out uh, and, and affect the the play right now that is coming. Uh, this is the most important thing, but uh, it, it invites pressure for sure, and you can sense it.
1: One last question on, on Copa America. You mentioned the, the kind of all or nothing game that's coming in March. What would it mean to Canadian soccer to be in Copa America, and what would be the feeling if you failed to qualify?
3: Yeah, I you know we if we, you want to be uh, one of the top teams in cranky if you want to be with uh, the US and the Mexican program and uh, and Panama has been doing great the couple couple back, last months well you want to be the top guy you need to win the top games and you want to be out uh, there and uh, we've done it in the qualifying uh, where we we won we won the group but uh, you want to be there for longevity for longevity you want to be there for a long time and uh, with the group that we have Uh, I don't see any reason why we would not be able to do it and being in Copa America uh, will prepare us for 26. That's the reality.
2: You know, uh, it was last year at the end of World Cup qualifying that Kyle Lahren famously said that you guys were the top dogs, the team to beat in CONCACAF. Do you think that's true? Or if not, who is the top dog right now in CONCACAF?
3: No, uh, there's good at the time when Kyle said it. Yes, absolutely. Right now, uh, we, right now, it's, it's it, the U.S. are are flying. They're really strong. Uh, but when we face them, uh, it's always a war. Same with Mexico. Same with anybody. Uh, same with Panama. Same with Jamaica. The last two games, and so uh, every team needs to be humble because 90 minutes, you know, anybody can win anywhere.
1: There he is. Maxime Cropot, goalie for LAFC. Thanks so much for being with us here on Football on and good
3: luck on Saturday. Thank you, guys.
1: Great chat. Maxime Cropot leading the LAFC. Maxime Cropot then uh, leading the LAFC defense against a uh, pretty stacked Columbus attack that's been rolling, especially the later parts of the regular season and into the playoffs. MLS Cup Saturday afternoon right here at Lower.com Field. How do you think America should approach the second leg now that they've got uh, one foot at least squarely in the final? Approach it how?
2: I mean, what do you Send the U-20s? I mean... Send the reserve squad? The reserve squad is no, loo- not going no to lose to San Luis. This, right? uh, no, there isn't. Okay. This is over. This was... Uh, the most difficult thing to swallow if you're San Luis is it, it didn't have to be like that. Uh, it, it was 2-0, I believe, 60-something minutes yeah. on. Yeah. Even if you take a 2-0 loss, there's a an avenue, there's a way of coming back into this game in El Estadio Azteca that you could see, maybe it could happen. There's there's no coming back from this. A 5-0 and the way they lost, it, it was the worst possible game for San Luis. Worst game that I've seen from San Luis in quite some time. Should we be surprised? Maybe, because San Luis played very well in liguea They played very well against Leon, they played very, very well against Rayados. This highlights the fracaso, the failure that is Rayados even more. Okay. But they didn't close out Liga América's regular season the best of ways. I mean, they, they lost four out of the last six games Is a team that was definitely as early on. Was more San Luis bad than like America hitting a great stride? I think it was San Luis bad playing against a very good America team. Because if we look at the legs that they had, the first halves of both America versus Leon games, America was terrible. Probably their worst 45 minutes in each game of the regular season. They weren't terrible in this Force 45. Uh, A lot of that was on San Luis and the liberties they gave. America Leal, the the coach for San Luis, Bonatelli goes off, your traditional nine. He puts Vitinho in there. It's more of a transition-based team. You really compromised everything you you did in the playoffs, in the Ligia, up until that point. You changed who you were, and America just took advantage, full throttle, and they were who they were in the regular season. and There's no coming back from this. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you say. Even if San Luis jumps on a, you know, two goals in the first half, three goals in the first half, it just takes one America
1: goal. It's just a, so much of a steep hill for them to climb. I feel like you're a big proponent in these situations of rhythm. Uh, I remember a couple years ago yeah. we talked about it with the New England Revolution. Great regular season, long break, they fall off. The break here, if you were to give, let's say, all 11 starters, or as many as you could a break, would only be eight days to the first leg of the final. If I were to guarantee you that no Club America player would get injured, that all would happen in the second leg was fatigue, would you still feel the way that you do about not playing anybody in the second leg? Is there an argument to be made for not pulling a team that just put up five out of rhythm Listen, I'm not talking player.
2: about pulling in the 11, but you will take a Diego Valdez who's been nursing yeah, a muscular okay. injury out of the equation. You don't want to risk him. He was the best player in Liga Mekis until that last injury, and he's had a couple injuries this season, so don't risk him. He's out. Uh, Juan Quiñones, who's been absolutely terrific in regular season. And in Ligia, doesn't matter where he plays. He produces goals and assists. Give him a break. Maybe don't play him the full 90. Maybe play him 45, whether you want it the first half or the second half. Your choice. Dealer's choice if you want. Jardine. Uh, Henry Martin as well, a player who's had injuries this season. You, you do a bit of a rotation. Don't compromise the spine of the team. Mm-hmm. But definitely rotate some players you think may be carrying fatigues muscular fatigues because uh, listen with muscular fatigues down the stretch of this season and we've seen it many times not only in Mexico but in other places around the world the congestion in the calendar for these athletes for these players it causes injury so maybe just manage some of those players
1: yeah and i don't know that it's the deepest squad in the league i think there's a pretty good debate there but it's yeah. it is pretty deep so yeah. jardine does have options, and he probably has guys who are hungry for minutes. Yeah. Like, there's some guys who need a
2: Ramon Juarez at <laughs> at yeah. center back. He's a player that was doing very well with Lee Chinowski. Maybe you give Casares a rest. Uh, uh, Richard Sanchez, who hasn't you know, uh, played very much in the, in the center of the midfield, maybe you give him uh, some time for a Fidalgo. Um, you know, uh, Leo Suarez, Leo Suarez and on and that out. right-hand yep. side for Sendejas You can absolutely rotate some of this team and not compromise who they are, not compromise that spine and Jardine that makes everybody happy, keeps the team fresh, and
1: doesn't risk injury. So, Club America, big winners. Leg one over San Luis. Tigres Pumas, that leg one uh, going on tonight. Of course, we'll have more on that on uh, next Monday's edition of ES... of uh, Football Americas. I say ESPN FC. We were on ESPN FC uh, earlier. All right, Herc. Before we get out of here, let's book it. No parlays. No odds. You just want to pick winners. I just want a winner. What's going to happen Saturday in MLS Cup? Columbus Crew versus LAFC.
2: Listen, there's a reason Columbus is favored. They're playing at home. Um... LAFC is definitely the team that I think has found their true stride, their true form in this playoffs, but what I've seen, the resolve I've seen from Columbus, the firepower that Columbus has, uh, William Nancy, and and, and his vision of trust the process and how they are true to that regardless of the scoreline, I see a scenario, whether it's 90 minutes or whether it's 120 minutes, where it's Columbus who is lifting their second MLS Cup in the last three years on this very field. I think they will be rewarded for the good, very good regular season that they had, and their playoff form uh, when it matters most.
1: Mm. I'm going to go the opposite way. So, soccer. shocker. Shocker, but, but for logical reasons this time. Okay. So, I think in finals, pragmatism wins out. And I know this Columbus story is a wonderful story, um, and they're at home, and there's been some good performances. But Wilfred is going to put this team out there to make mistakes. Right. right? He's not going to worry about it. He's going to say, guys, do what you've done all season. You make mistakes. All season, they've not been playing against a team as good as LAFC. They've not been playing against a team that's got a Carlos Vela. They've not been playing against a team that has Danny Bawang. You don't think Cincinnati is a better team than LAFC? And they made mistakes, and they just barely survived that. I think they LAFC— beat. I think LAFC given their championship experience their championship pedigree will not miss the chance. Where was that championship pedigree against Leon And the Cincinnati cha- miss in the second half they could have barely was Columbus. that experience. We be at Where was that
2: experience against Leon in the CONCACAF Champions League final? Major League Where, was Where was that experience? Where was that experience in League's Cup? Where was that experience this is classic, against Tigres classic LA in Campeones Cup? You talk about that experience, Seb. No, it's Columbus who have that experience. It's their players who have that default DNA. Now, LAFC is a very good team. Mm -hmm. Have we seen them play from behind? Have we seen their resolve in this in this playoff system? Doesn't that say something about how they're playing? What if they have to chase the game behind? What if they have to chase the game against Columbus? That is the question for LAFC. That is my. Worry for LAFC. If they have to chase the game against Columbus, it's going to be a very, very long night. Are they pragmatic? Has Steve Cherno, like he said in the interview that he had with us, found that pragmatism? Yes, absolutely. But they've not been forced to chase, chase the game. They've not been tested. Their resolve hasn't put out, been put on display for the world to see like Columbus. That is why I'm taking Columbus. Oh, and by
1: the way, they're at home. How, how much is that part of your answer? The home field advantage. Because they've been a they large, put, a large they chunk. They played a final here in 2015. A large chunk. And yeah. lost.
2: Think about what it took for LAFC to become MLS Cup champions. Mm-hmm. And they were at home and it still took all of that. I don't see that happening uh, in, in this environment versus Columbus if they have the same test put in front of them.
1: So shocking disagreement here on the set of Football Americas. Uh, Herc's got Columbus Crew winning MLS Cup. I got. Uh, LAFC, despite the fact that they uh, wouldn't give us their star players today. But maybe that's a conversation for another time. Before we get out of oh. here, speaking uh, of botches, come on. can we address what happened in the draw? Please. I mean, I'm I have to never out the seen anything is. like this. I, I thought that we had made a mistake off the top of the show, and yet we get the draw, and apparently Conmebol made the mistake. You got conmebol you got Cominable. I think we need to change the name of the segment here on Football Américas. I've never seen anything like that. It was only one change, but it was a big one. Jamaica's now in Mexico's group. Costa Rica-Honduras winner goes over to Brazil's group, which at the end of the draw was the opposite way.
2: We're doing this on the fly. I'm trying to do live, live commentary for you. And mm-hmm. Cominable, the Copa America tournament, the delegation can't sort themselves out. And you know what's worrying? There was no explanation. Yeah. There's no transparency. It's more like, oh, here you go. If you know, if you know the situations that have surfaced or, 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 or arisen in, in the past
1: couple of years, this worries you. This really does worry you. Hmm. I'm shocked that it went down that way, but I don't really think it changes too much about the draw, right? Mexico's group is still basically accessible. You trade out of Costa Rica, Honduras for Jamaica, and the Brazil, Colombia, Paraguay group um, that Costa Rica-Honduras winner is still going to be the, the likely cannon fodder there. That's a, that's a brutal group. Oh, what's the cannon fodder? Uh, the team that gets blown up. The, the, something the bottom dweller. The cannon fodder. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, <I> <laughs> bet you, uh, but producer Beto wants to know if El Capitan is an eagle or a
1: car mascot. He was,
2: too, <laughs> he was a little red
1: to be an eagle. I Don't you start.
2: Don't call. encourage him. Don't encourage um, him. All right, Come so that'll
1: on. do it for uh, this edition of Football Americas here at the Lower.com field in Columbus, Ohio. We will be back on Monday, our usual time here on ESPN. Plus, we'll be covering Force MLS Cup. right. We'll be looking ahead to the uh, Liga Ameki's final, uh, which we know will be set and we will also have Giselle Thompson joining us. She's Alyssa Thompson's younger sister and she just signed with Angel City. How about that? Somebody told me a
2: younger Thompson sister is the better player. No. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's this Thompson or one that is still wow in the
1: youth ranks. Hercules Gomez turning up the hype machine here on Football America. Watch out, Turk. I'm Seb. We'll see you back here on Monday.